Welcome to the Performance Connection Podcast, the show where we connect you to the highest quality information and leading professionals in the world of human performance. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Performance Connection Podcast. I'm particularly excited for today's episode because I have a good friend of mine on on the podcast today. And if you haven't listened to the first episode of the podcast, this is a man that actually is somewhat responsible for this podcast <laughs> and the and like planting the seed for this podcast. So I'm joined by Garrett Surd. Garrett, how are you? I mean, I'm doing great. I cannot take any credit <laughs> for any seed planting of this podcast because, man, if, if I had the money to give you your own TV show decades ago, you would be have you, you'd have your own TV show by now. You're just that influential. And oh, I man. just love learning from you. Well, well, I will give you credit for it. And because this is what happened. You said you looked at me one day and you go, you know what, man, you should start a podcast. And I looked at you and I go, yeah, I should start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like ever since then i'd go through like these cycles i i would go like a couple years would pass and I'd be like oh man garrett put that idea in my head i can't get it out and so i gotta start a podcast i'm doing it and then it didn't happen and then i'd go back and then finally it, it happened so garrett i'm so happy that you're joining us today and i'm just really excited for what we're going to share so before we do that, let's uh, go ahead and give the listeners a preview or an idea of your background and what you've done and what you're doing now. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Corey, for having me on. It's a true honor and pleasure to be here today. And yeah, my name is Garrett Surd, and I have a master's degree in nutrition and exercise science from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in 2012. I graduated. I'm also a registered dietitian, and um, I'm actually from Louisiana. So I did my undergraduate studies in at Louisiana Tech in back in 2007 to 2010, and I've been practicing my own nutrition consultation, helping women specifically lose body fat for the past 11 years. And as a team, we've helped over 1,800 women at this point lose body fat, tone up, and transform, transform their lives through our unique dieting system that we have here at Tandem. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we were talking all, all, before the, the podcast how, so Garrett and I did go we went to Nebraska together and we were just talking about how it does not seem like it should be that long ago. It is. Like I said, for everyone who knows Corey, man, you haven't changed one bit. Well, neither of you. How, how is it 12 years? Time just flies by. I know, man. I know. But you hit on exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about just your unique approach to body fat loss, not just weight loss, but we want to go for your body fat loss and try trying to get some sustainability in it because yeah. anyone who's worked with people, anyone who's tried it themselves, the weight regain is always the biggest issue, right? Like it's not really all that complicated or difficult to lose the weight in most scenarios, but keeping it off has just always been, whether you're a physique athlete, whether you're just trying to lose weight for health or whatever it may be, it's always the weight regain that becomes the issue. Where we're going to, I guess where I'll start is the term that you've kind of used for this approach is called phasic dieting. So just go ahead and explain what phasic dieting is, what it means, and then how does that differ from just I guess, the more traditional or other approaches to fat loss. 
Yeah. So with traditional fat loss, we have someone entering into a calorie deficit. And after a period of time, whether a set time or once they achieve their goal, they stop dieting. There could be maybe some strategies. They're told to lose body fat and to keep it off. But there's nothing really set in stone with like, hey, do this and be very specific with these with these increases in calories over the time and make sure you get to this point when you're done. And, and I'll be honest, when I started my coaching career over 11 years ago, that's exactly how I took women through our diets. Like we had these 12-week coaching plans and women would have no issue at all losing 10 to 15, 20 pounds in 12 weeks. But there's one thing I noticed, and that is after they ended our program and went off for two or three months, they came back and they were like, mm. Garrett, put on 10 to 50 pounds and dude, that hurt my heart so much. Yeah. I'm like, I got to find a solution for this. And then I had the awesome opportunity to work as a nutrition tr consultant for Renaissance Periodization from 2016 to 2017. And that's what I learned from uh, Dr. Mike Isertel, the importance of going into maintenance after a diet or after a fat loss phase. I'm like, yo, this is unique. This is so cool. And I just like, I was like so obsessed with this. I'm like, this is such a great idea. And then I learned how like once we increased calories from the fat loss phase into maintenance, I noticed the body just through experience work with a lot of people through RP and even through my own clients that man, like they begin to lose a bit of weight. And I'm like, whoa, cool. Like, so the metabolic rate is adapting just like it would perhaps in a fat loss phase, but it's adapting upward because with increasing calories, you normally have increases in activity and mm -hmm. you know, possibly some increase in muscle mass too over a long period of time. And so I, I learned, I'm like, hey, if, if I increase calories by a certain amount and there is body weight loss, if I increase calories a little bit more, like what would happen? And so over a period of time, I did some experiments and testings and I learned more about like, hey, we can actually get back up to our pre-dieting estimated maintenance level and say within three pounds of their ending body weight. And I was fascinated with this. I'm like, yo, that is so cool. Like I was like, yo, okay. So I like, because like the whole time I'm like, how can I help these women? Yeah. Like keep them off the weight they've lost. I had no idea. And mm. I'm very thankful for, for Renaissance Periodization and like Mike Shaw and Dr. Dr. Isertel. And yeah. because that's when I started to my I, this idea started turning. And yeah, their systems at RP are just phenomenal. And so then I realized just, uh, just, just one question before you, you keep going. So was the issue the fact that these the clients would just like slingshot back up to pre like descent dieting phase or whatever you want to call it calories they would go straight there or what was happening there did yeah yeah no good question so what i've noticed was like once you typically when someone finishes a diet they would do one of two things so either just go back to how they're eating before right yeah and over time they just slowly regain weight or and this is more common is i noticed people they would try to just maintain their low now lower calorie intake and high level activity because they're excited. They lost 20 pounds. They're excited. And like, hey, yeah. like, it's kind of like when you buy a new car and like the first couple of payments come through, you're excited, right? Like, oh my goodness, like this is worth it. But like by like payment 12, you're like, I'm about to pull my hair out, right? And that's yeah. kind of like how people feel, right? Mm. By like week 12, they're still at like 1,100 calories and they're about to die because they're hungry. Mm -hmm. And like, this is not worth it anymore. So what happens is you, they go on a trip or go out to eat and maybe they have some water retention that they think yeah. is weight gain that causes frustration and they think it's, you know, body fat. So like, oh man, this is not worth it. I'm gaining body fat. And they go off on this binge for a weekend or so. And then that just kind of what snowballs into weight regain over time. Yeah. And so over time they get back to that weight gain or yeah. to their pre-diet weight. And that's yeah. the two yeah. most common ways I see that weight regain happens. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, in, that's just like a, that's an interesting just kind of realization that you had because even if they don't go back to pre fat loss phase calories, the mindset is, well, I've got to stay. I have to keep doing what I was doing to lose the weight. I got to stay there. Right. I can't go back. But obviously that has repercussions. You, you cannot stay at that point. And then, yeah, that balancing act of how do I get back to quote unquote normal? How do I get back to not maybe feeling or being as restricted? There's just no guidance on that. It's, there's very yeah. little guidance on that. There's not much research either. And, and, and RP has amazing systems and yeah. information on that. And that's why I'm like, yo, cool. Like, let's try some things out. And then, and th th I will say too, one of the worst things that can happen is when someone does regain weight, like really rapidly, because we know that the number of fat cells that we're born with, that we don't, when typically when we gain weight, we don't increase the number of fat cells. We just, the size of the fat cell gets bigger. But there's sure. one unique time throughout someone's life that, that new fat cells can be created. And that is with rapid weight regain after getting down to a very lean state of body weight. And one thing I've noticed hmm. too, because we work with women in their 40s and 50s and yeah. a lot too in their 20s and 30s, but there are a lot of women who are right now eating 100 calories, 1100 calories, and they cannot lose weight. And I'm like, okay, yeah. first they're not tracking their calories. But now I believe, now I, after I learned more about their past studying history, I learned that when rap, rapid weight regain happens, that always does not correlate into an increase in metabolic rate, especially when done huh. slowly and strategically. And so what you have now is someone who's 40 pounds overweight with mm -hmm. a metabolism that is similar to that of someone who is at a 1200 calorie level. There, there are some changes, of course, being in a higher body weight, you're burning more calories, you weigh more, sure. et cetera. Yeah. But that's why it's a lot. That's sometimes why it's difficult for some women to lose body weight because when rapid weight regain occurs, there's not always a positive increase in that metabolic rate. Interesting. That's very, so how do you, well, we can, I, I do want to return back to that, but let's talk more about the physics, like the system, like how have you kind of taken what you learned from RP and adapted it, perfected it, things like that? Yeah. So now what we do is we have certain time segments for a fat loss phase. So the first phase is a fat loss phase. It's 12 to 16 weeks. And because when the, there's two big mistakes that people make. Number one, they diet too long and dieting too long. Mm. So chronic low calorie dieting leads to negative changes to the metabolic rate, which not only makes losing fat for a long time, even more difficult, but it makes keeping that weight off even more difficult too. So we have a set time to three to four months. And when dieting is done properly too, like trust me, you probably wouldn't go past four months. Like, like <laughs> I done, Right. And then the next phase is the metabolic reset phase. And I realized that these are not like science-based terms. And with the women that we work with, we can't have these fancy flashy terms that are based on science because we'll just lose them. Like, and when you yeah. confuse someone, you lose them, right? Yeah. And so we're going to relate to the audience. And, and I yeah. hear like, yeah, some you know, bigger influencers on social media, like bulk at these terms that we use and that's okay, right? And I truly believe we're changing lives and we're helping people learn these processes, which is important. But essentially, after the fat loss phase, they go right into a metabolic reset phase, which means, so we use a very calculated, macro-specific approach. So every one of our decisions and adjustments are based on data. Mm -hmm. And we don't just say, do this every time someone transitions. No, like we literally go into our charts and we see the average rate of weight loss the last two weeks, the average of that. So we know how many calories we need to increase by to get to their new maintenance because your new maintenance is completely different 
from the maintenance you started off your diet at, right? Hmm. Because you lost body weight. So right now your maintenance is a lot lower. So if we went right back to the new maintenance or I'm sorry, the previous maintenance, weight regain may happen. That could be a big increase. And so it's very important to stay at uh, fine maintenance, stay there. And what's really cool is that the very first three to seven days, we see a drop in weight typically because we Hmm. know that dieting is a stressor. Yeah. Because when dieting is happening, there's an increase in cortisol levels. And whenever you increase carbohydrates, bring down training intensity, increase calories as well, there's a drop in cortisol that happens. And Hmm. whenever that drop occurs, there's also a release in water retention in the body. And so that gets the client excited. Like, oh my goodness, I'm eating more, I'm losing weight, right? So mm-hmm. that begins the, the trust in this process. And trust in sure. calories is huge because with my mom and others who are you know, 50, 60, older people, like they are always like believe that if you increase calories, that you're gonna gain weight. And so when yeah. they see that drop in weight, and so again, it's, it's looking at averages, week by week, change in body weight, making increases if there's a maintenance of weight or a loss in weight. And our goal is to get our, clients calories back up to their 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 estimated so calculated maintenance from a calculator and i will say like they're never accurate because there's one thing that all these calculators will never and can never take into account and that is someone's past dieting history Hmm. right because someone could have been dieting for two years beforehand come to you and like oh this person needs to lose can can eat 1800 calories and lose body fat but they're at 1200 calories because they're so adapted fat loss that can happen so anyway so after that phase, that that is typically about 50% we spend. So the duration of the metabolic reset phase is around 50% of the time that you spent dieting, right? Okay. If you diet for 12 weeks, six weeks would be a good time frame for that. Yep. And then the next phase is maintenance. So maintenance okay. is just like the word says. Yeah. We want to maintain our calorie intake. That's now higher. We want to maintain, I will say too, throughout the metabolic reset phase, we're also decreasing cardio or activity to bring it to more of a mm. lifestyle approach. Yeah. So in maintenance, we're maintaining body weight where we ended at. And hopefully it's in, it's, it should be within three pounds of your ending fat loss weight. And we're also maintaining our calorie intake and a low level of cardio. And the whole purpose of that, it's around two or three weeks, is to reset your body set point. Because one thing that's interesting is that your body wants to pull you back to where it feels most comfortable. Right. Let's say you lost like 20 pounds of body fat. Yeah. And from a survival mechanism, your body's probably freaking out. Like at the end of the fat loss phase, there's a reason why hunger and cravings are high. And that's because your body's like, okay, if there's like a, it feels like there's a threat to its survival and a a scarcity of food. And so it increases hunger and cravings to get you to eat more. So you can increase body fat again. But one thing that's unique is that once you increase calories throughout the metabolic reset phase, you're eating more calories. So even though your body fat is low, we're saying, hey, listen, like we have plenty of food coming in. There's no worries. So that's when hunger is like, okay, you win. I'll reset our mechanics to tell our body to calm down because we're safe again. Sure. And then after that, and the whole thing is just to calm down hunger. Because if you go into intuitive eating, which is the last phase, you're yeah. hungry, you're just gonna making some big mistakes that that you that can be avoided by just being more patient throughout those last those, you know, second, that second and third phase. Yeah. Gotcha. Now I'm like listening to you talk, my, my brain goes to amounts here. So like, I'm sure people are wondering, or they might be wondering, all right, what is the deficit that, that you typically start at? And then how many, is there an incremental increase in calories as you go through the reset phase? Is that something that 
you always have the same starting point or how is that determined? Like how, what the deficit should be for some, for a particular person. And then how, what are the intervals they increase their calories through the reset phase? Yeah. You know, great question. So with each one of our clients, our goal with them is to help them lose or our target weight loss goal for them is to lose a half a percent of their body weight each and every week. Okay. Right. And so it's so low, it's not terribly low, but there is quite a bit of body recomposition that happens with our clients. And so our goal is to meet their expectations, but also exceed them. So we have a lot of clients who like, if you go onto our Instagram page, there's this one lady that lost 12 pounds in 12 weeks, but she literally lost 20 pounds of body fat or if not 25. And so the reason why we set at that low rate, because like body, most of these women maybe not have a, a scientific based and periodized training program before. Yeah. And once they start eating more protein, working out, not only is more inflammation present, but like they're building not at a rapid, crazy way, sure. right? But like they're putting on muscle mass. So that, that's kind of how we get them in a deficit right away. And then we make adjustments based on, are they hitting this goal? If not, let's make a very conservative, realistic change to their calories, decreasing calories and also increasing energy expenditure in which we do through steps. So we don't assign our clients cardio unless they have a very sedentary job hmm. and we have to help them be more active purposely to get in our step goal. Sure. And then going through the metabolic reset phase, it's different for everyone because everyone is losing weight at different rates from the last two weeks of their dieting phase. And so we look at the changes in weight in the last two weeks and we average them. So for example, let's say if there is there we use some averages and say like this client was losing on average 0.5 pounds of weight each week right would make an increase in 250 calories to their not to their targets but actually to their actual intake so we do a lot of calculations and assessments right because one thing i learned early in my career Corey, was like if i thought if i gave someone a calorie goal mm -hmm. i thought they would like be perfect in hitting it i'm like man that's not the case right no. <laughs> and so i'm like so now you don't increase from the calorie target. We increase from what they're actually doing. Because if their calorie target's 1,500 calories, but they're eating 1,300, yeah. their new calorie goal is 1,500 or yeah. 1,500. Yeah, around that. Yeah. And if we increase from 1,500, they're going to gain weight probably, right? Yeah. And, and then based, we just look at trends after that. It's like we're completely data-driven. And anytime, after, so we look at weight changes from seven to 10 days. And I've learned too that, the sooner you get from a fat loss phase, the more often and more aggressive you can be with making calorie increases. But the closer and closer you get to that person's pre-dotting calorie level, the slower and slower you have to increase and the less often you do make increases. Hmm. And so it's very, very, you have to just be very observant of these variables and not the client, but that's what the coach does here. But Anyway, and then that's how we make these increases. And increases are typically 75 calories, maybe 150, maybe 200. They lost a lot of weight, but that's typically not very, that doesn't happen very often. It's typically 75 cal calories to maybe 100 calories. Yeah. Okay. So how do you help your clients know how much food that is? I mean, I, I hear that. And I'm like, that's a couple bites. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's no, just like yeah. literally a couple bites of food. I know people have gone through this. There's a skill to it. You get better at, at estimation and things like that. But yeah. is it enough to the, well, I mean, I know you've had success, but how do you just help people just even get that minute with adding that much, just even 75 to 100 calories? Right. Yeah. And one thing I've learned too is that people are terrified to increase calories. 
And hmm. so like psychologically, when I first started this, I'm like, well, let's increase by 200 calories. And we had women like, am I going to gain body fat? At? And like, they would freak out. And so I'm like, hey, listen, we give education. And a lot of times too, they have a hard time eating that. This sounds crazy. It does. I get it. But psychologically, there's so much fear in increasing calories that they almost have an adverse reaction to increasing calories. So they find it more difficult huh. to eat more calories. Yeah. And like psychologically, so, I mean, sometimes we have to increase calories by like 400 to get to new, their new maintenance, but we split that up because psychologically, most yeah, women, sure. even guys too, can't really handle that because mm. it's like, yo, dude, it's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it can be tough for a lot of clients, but some clients do really well. And the thing is too, like, like I said, the first adjustment, it results in weight loss within the very first like three to five days. So right away, we're making another increase. So it's another 100 calorie increase. So it's pretty rapid increases the very first three to four weeks. Then we sort of slow down after that. Yeah. So how, I guess, how do you even just teach them or help them determine if what they're like adding to their diet is that amount? I guess, sorry, that's where I was trying to get to oh, as I'm far sorry. as like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what we do is, when, first off, we, we give very specific macro and calorie plans. We give meal plans to support that. Okay. And we give them ideas too. Like, and, and typically, just be very specific. Unless protein's not being hit, we increase protein. But if it is, we, only, we increase fats and carbohydrates like by 50% each. So if we increase by 100 calories, 50 of those calories goes towards increasing carbohydrates, which has a, a pretty big impact on leptin and thyroid, et cetera. And the other 50% goes to increase fats, right? To kind of bring, because the entire dieting phase, you're decreasing those two, like sure. it's not being touched. Yeah. So we want to bring those back up evenly. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's say somebody gets, they get to maintenance. So then other situations where they need to go back into a dieting phase or do most your clients reach their goal within that kind of, with that initial dieting phase? It really all depends on how much weight the person's looking to lose. If someone has between five and 20 pounds to lose, we can knock that out in one fat loss phase. Yeah. But in one thing I will say too, is like, let's say we're at week 16 yep. and have five more pounds to lose. Mm -hmm. right? We're not going to make them go through a metabolic reset phase for eight, 10 weeks to lose five pounds. Like we're going to push it forward as long as psychologically they can handle it. They're feeling decent. And like, this is not like contest prep diet, right? So like, this is not severe dieting. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not that challenge. I mean, it's challenging, but it's not like we're going to like eat a thousand calories. And this yeah. doesn't happen. Like I made a, as a dietitian, like my main priority is my client's health. And mm -hmm. I made a goal that I will never take any woman less than 1200 calories ever. And because I see the damage I can do long-term. Absolutely. And, and yeah, so basically we would go, and let's say I have, they have 30 pounds, 40, 50, 60 pounds to lose. We would take them through that metabolic reset phase and then our goal is to rebuild back up their calories, yep. bring back down their cardio. So we have just as much fat loss potential to start another fat loss phase from a calorie level that is equal to or greater than where they start at the first fat loss phase. It's if you run an ultra marathon, if you have two people, one run straight without stopping for a hundred miles, like they're going to be pretty beat up yep. and they're going to want to like lay down and not like their chance of performance performing really well the next time is not good. Right. Right. And, but if you have someone who runs 50 miles, takes a break, has some like sleeps in a, you know, has, takes a nap in the cabin, then goes again, dude, they're going to like crush their time on running. Mm. And they're going to feel a lot better once they're done. And feeling the, feeling a lot better once you're done is key, is so important for yeah. the maintenance of the weight you've lost. Yeah, for sure. And so then would you just keep like just repeating that process? If someone needs to lose a lot of weight, you would just kind of keep 
repeating that until the goal has been reached. Yeah. And if someone has a lot of weight to lose for health reasons, we would maybe extend the fat loss phases and be more aggressive, at least initially. Mm -hmm. But typically that, from our experience, that's what's most effective in like in a healthy and sustainable weight loss. And then, and you can also just shorten the metabolic reset phases too, to spend more time dieting than not dieting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So I want to ask you about some of the individual variability that you see. Okay. Because... When you go through nutrition in school, for the most part, you're, you're just kind of taught that the metabolism is metabolism. Everyone kind of has the same metabolism. If you do one thing to one person, it should have basically the same outcome as another person because of, you know, energy intake, energy expenditure. It's just, it's just an equation, right? If we should kind of, we should see the same things, but I mean, that's not the case. Like that doesn't work. Like So what, I guess, what are some things that you've seen or some of the examples that you've seen of, I thought we were going to get this, but because of this person's unique individuality and their, the things that we're learning about their metabolism or what's going on internally that we can't really see, obviously, unless they're in like a metabolic chamber or something like that. Just like talk about how much variability and difference there is between individuals. I mean, there's so much difference and I will say past dotting history plays a big role in these differences and the, and the effect these differences. In fact, as a quick example, we had a call, I had a call with a lady in New Mexico. She was 31 mm. and she had talked to me about her past dotting history. She was a former competitor, did bikini shows and physically you can't really look at someone and say, man, they need a metabolic reset phase or they need to spend time rebooting their metabolism. But what she told me and very few times do I take what they say is truth because I'm like, well, you're just not tracking calories. You're going out on weekends. But mm. this lady was like, yo, listen, I mean, and she was very specific. I'm eating 1100 calories per day. I'm fasting for three days in a row. I'm running 15 miles a week and I'm doing this many steps. And, I'm like, and she's like, I can't lose weight. I'm trying everything. And she wanted us. So what she wanted was different than what she needed. Okay. And I, I was very straightforward with her. I'm like, listen, I know you want to lose fat. I know you want to go into fat loss phase, but I, I'm really sorry, but I, I can't take you there. Hmm. But I can get you there if we spend time in a, in a metabolic reset phase first. She hung up the phone. Really? Back. Yeah. She's like, she couldn't make a decision. I'm like, I'm so scared. I'm going to gain weight because she like, I get it. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was she actually called me back. Okay. Look, I'm going to give it a try. Mm-hmm. Check this out. So we took, so we know in coaching and just work with people, we have to make sure we establish trust Yeah, and we have to make sure they feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. If, if either of those two components are missing, it's going to be a bad working relationship and they're not going to trust the plan. They're not going to follow it. So again, she was eating less than 80 grams of carbs a day. And I told our coach, I'm like, Hey, listen, what we're going to do with her is we're going to start it, start her at 1175. So that's the only time I I put someone less than 200 calories. Yeah. <laughs> because number one, I knew that her metabolism was really low and I knew that she would not trust us. Like a lot of people I hear in like doctor's offices, there's nothing wrong with doctor's offices, but like, like, yeah, we, know, we get it. Calories, right? <laughs> I'm like, you know, you start eating 18 calories, you will gain body fat, like 100%. Yeah. I did that when I had anorexia when I was 16 years mm-hmm. old. Like I was running 10 miles a day, eating 1500 calories a day, took a picture of myself. I'm like, yo, I got a serious problem. Next day, and this is how my passion for nutrition began at 16. I'm 34 now. Look at that picture. I'm like, the next day I created myself a 3,500 calorie diet plan. 
next two weeks, I, I gained nothing but body fat. Mm -hmm. My metabolism was shot. Yeah. And so anyway, with this lady, what we did was we, it took her 14 weeks. We took her from 1175 to over 1900 calories, eating over 130 grams of carbs a day. She's not fasting and running completely. And these are gradual processes that we change over time. It's not like, hey, next week we stop running. No, we went from like 15 miles a week to maybe 13 to yeah. nine to eight. And over time, because once she saw the results, like she slept better, she didn't need to fast. She felt better, had more energy. She, because she had more energy, she started seeing more pro, you know, progressive overload in, her, in the gym and she started to get more muscle. And in the, at the end of the 14 weeks, she lost one pound of body weight. But the cool thing was, is that her body composition completely changed. Huh. And one mistake many people make is throughout the metabolic reset phase, they think progress is seen as fat loss or weight loss. And that is not the progress. Progress is seen physiologically by being able to maintain your body weight, but eat 300, 400, 500 more calories per day do less activity. Like that is progress. And that's why so many people struggle because everyone's so tied to the scale and the scale yeah. is not the tool to measure progress in the middle of reset phase. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about the other way? How about someone who, who needs to descend, who needs to be in a caloric deficit? Mm -hmm. Do you see a lot of variation as far as some people don't need as much of a deficit to see progress. And then you have others that you need to push into a further deficit to get the needle moving in, in some respects. I see both ways. Okay. Uh, I mean, of course, act activity level would affect, would affect how aggressive we get into like their, how active they are at their job or at home. Yeah. But I mean, I gotta be honest with you too. Like there's a couple of guys I work with ones in his thirties, mm -hmm. ones in his fifties. And these guys both did really aggressive. I mean, super low calorie. They got super lean. I mean, one was like in a bodybuilding show. And these guys are over 200 pounds and they are barely losing weight at 1,800 calories per day. And yeah. so what I do, I'm like, listen, we're keeping calories high. We're going to push activity. We're going to push steps. And that's been a game changer because like, I, what's so important is nutrient intake. Yeah. Like we got to keep, we got to <laughs> maintain good health with nutrients, right? But you can be more active. We can hit 10,000 yeah. steps a day. And that's been game changers for them is increasing activity because there's three ways to increase a deficit, an energy deficit. One, decrease calories. Two, increase activity. Or three, which we do most of the time is just do a little bit of both. And for those guys who come in with a lot of weight to lose yeah. and are not seeing weight loss, like we have to increase steps for activity or it's going to be really tough for them like hunger wise. Gotcha. But then for the most part, as long as you kind of go through that, that, the trial of finding out where exactly someone is at are, if you put someone on a deficit, you, can you predict pretty well about what's going to happen? Or do we still see like this nonlinear process of either gain or loss? Uh, or is it something yeah, that I, you've gotten to the point where you can be like, I, I think I can kind of predict what's going to happen here as long as you know where people are actually at. So one good thing is like before anyone joins our team, we have a, we have a very extensive like discovery call together. So just yeah. through these conversations, I ask a ton of questions. And after that, we just, we further assess them. So by that time as a team, we have a good idea of what their cow levels should be based upon their past hunting history. And sometimes, and I'll be more aggressive when I think that, and what's, and it happens sometimes too, I, I'm more aggressive and they still don't lose the amount of weight that I expect they would. And I'm like, okay, like now they're metabolic rate. Because a lot of times too, like when some, someone comes to me, they gain 40 pounds of their diet and they mentioned they went down to like, like when a male goes to 1500 calories, 
I'll expect like once they gain 40 pounds back, they can lose weight at 2200 calories. Like if that doesn't happen, I'm like, oh, okay, this is gonna be pretty rough for this guy. Right? <laughs> and so we just have to like recognize that. And then yeah. the first week of the phase two is helps me understand it's more like a feeler week. I get sure. to understand where their metabolic rate is at yeah. in regards to our targets. And then by the fourth or fifth day, I know when, where to kind of pinpoint their weight uh, or their calories to make it more effective at, you know, from the second week on. Gotcha. Okay. So something you mentioned several times is metabolic rate and the slowdown. Is this something that's still like controversial? I feel like there's been like just controversies surrounding, does this happen? Or yeah. maybe it's more on the side of, oh, people, that's, that's just what people want to blame. They just want to, mm -hmm. they just like, oh, that's what they jump to if they can't lose weight or whatever it may be, lose body fat. But it sounds to me like in your experience, it's a very real thing. And I, I guess what's the length of time combined with a deficit that you really see something like where the metabolic rate's going to drop below what you would predict, right? Because if we, the situation here is, if you were to get, uh, predict someone's BMR, basal metabolic rate, based off height, weight, sex, all that kind of stuff, the actual metabolic rate's lower than what you would predict. Is that an accurate assessment of what's happening? Correct. Yes. yes. If they've they completed yeah. a dieting experience. Yeah. So how long does that take to happen? Like how long in your experience does this like kind of suppression of BMR happen? It's very few times I work with someone who's brand new to dieting. So it's very hard for me. <laughs> Tipsy from like, hey, this person had a normal diet and now their metabolic rate is adapted and I get it too. Like there's, it's so controversial. I had someone comment on my Instagram post recently, made me think about this. He's like, hey man, according to studies, like the metabolic rate doesn't decrease as much as like this. And I'm like, dude, I, I get it. Like, dude, I've been in college for six years. I think the same thing. I know. Well, that's we how, that's what we're taught. Like, yeah. I'm like, bro, like I get it. Like tell me, like there needs to be more research in this area. And because I feel like from what, what I learned through experience, it's a lot different from what I learned through academia. Hmm. And then, yeah, just seeing the fact that once the fact that weight loss slows over time is a pretty good indicator that something's happening. Yeah. And it, whenever a change happens, we have to understand why it happens and at, to what extent and how do we get back to undoing that change to be able to make it maintainable. So I haven't really ran any specific like like test or experiments to see specifically the data changes or running tests like with a mid-block chamber or anything. But yeah, right. I, I would guess just from my experience, if someone's dieting pretty consistently for five, after like four or five months, there's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be some changes in metabolic rate. Yeah. I mean, just from the fact that you weigh less, there's changes yep. in energy expenditure. So there's some, I, I think, yeah, you're right. It's very controversial. Mm -hmm. And I, I would, we're a science-based team. I get it. We are. But like science can only show so much. And like, after that, I got to like lean into my experience and yeah. say, this is what I learned from experience. Well, most research is just because it's so reductionist in nature. Like it has to be, because if you can't have, you can't publish a study if you don't control a ton of variables and the vast majority of studies aren't very long. Assessing dietary interventions can be very difficult, but then trying to get really nitty gritty and truly knowing people's metabolic rate, those are expensive. It's hard to recruit people all that kind of stuff, but you obviously have to just go with what's happening in practice. If you, if you set somebody at this calorie amount, all things indicate they're meeting it, they're hitting it, and you aren't seeing the things happen that should be happening, well, you still have to, you have to make an adjustment. So Absolutely. 100%. it's just, yeah, really interesting to, to see and hear that the fact that like, okay, I learned this, but 
that's not really what's happening here. So I've got to make the best decision. We do that in training all the time, right? Yeah. We do that in training all the time. Go ahead and let's talk about like specific macro macronutrients. You mentioned the the ratios you hit earlier, but you know, one thing I know that you kind of make sure that you emphasize is carbohydrates. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you run into people who, who have issues with like, they are you know, scared of carbs, just like they're maybe scared to increase calories. But yeah. why is it still really important to make sure you're including enough carbohydrates, even when trying to lose fat? Yeah. So I've worked with quite a few women where, you know, one thing, especially I did contest prep in the first two years of my career, in which I got away from that now because I'm here to make people healthier. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. We, we work with a lot of post-contest women. And one thing I've learned too is like women who come in from the competition, they lost their menstrual cycle. Yeah. And I did a lot of research on this, especially with like La McDonald. And what I've learned is like carbohydrates play a very important role in the, in the levels of leptin. So leptin is a phallus hormone. And leptin not only has influence on immune system, but also women's menstrual cycles. And we know that hmm. two things can influence leptin, yeah. body fat storage, and also carbohydrate intake. So when carb intake drops to a very low level, that not only impacts immune system function, sure. that's a big reason why a lot of competitors will get sick a week or two before the competition, but it also affects their ability to maintain a normal menstrual cycle. And, and so I've had several women where I've taken them from not having any cycle to having a cycle after increasing calories and carbohydrates. And so that's one. Number two, we know that the insulin is required to, to activate the inactive form of thyroid, so T4 to T3. To, and we know that the thyroid gland is like the body's master metabolism maker, sure. right? So like all the cells in the bodies uh, are governed by this hormone. Mm. And so again, we know that increased cortisol levels and low carbohydrate levels present an issue for normal hormone levels related to thyroid. So that's number two. And also just low, like one thing I've learned too, and I'll never forget this. We were, you and I were in a class together with, we're in Colin. I forgot. It was like human metabolism regulation blue book. Yeah, I still got anyway. it. It's right there. Um, it's right there. <laughs> that is my favorite it's book. so good. So from this book, I learned this. From this book, I was, dude, this blew my mind. Mm. I created from this book. I got it highlighted. The brain uses 120 grams of carbs a day. I'm like, that is fascinating. I'm like, most people don't even eat that in a day. <laughs> right. So what happens? What happens? Like, what happens? Like, like if if we're not eating at least that me like that amount of carbs, like our bodies will from gluconeogenesis use take take these glucogenic amino acids, mm. turn them into glucose, and you have muscle loss, right? And so like we want to make sure women become toned and they have muscle and a fast metabolism, have healthy hormone levels. Plus, as I mean, it helps with neat and also uh, performance. So non exercise activity thermogenesis and also just performance in the yeah, gym. Absolutely. And so we, so our specific cobalt strategy is we take, we start women off at like either between one to 1.5 grams per pound of their body weight in carbs. We first dial in protein and we actually don't do, we don't go super high in protein. Like a lot of people are like one gram per pound, like that's great. Right. And we used yeah. to do that too. We yeah. used to do that too. Great. But again, we're working with a busy mom or how busy mom who has like five kids and like, they don't have time. Okay. So the issue with one gram per pound is like one, it causes constipation, right? Women are eating 30 to 40 grams of protein a day. They experience these irregular bowel mm. patterns and they can't do it. It's frustration. Like, listen, 0. 0.7 to 0. 0.8, that's probably good enough for per, most per women pound. who are training three to four days a week, right? Per pound, right? Yeah. Okay. Per pound, yes. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes even 0. 0.6 when we have someone who has a lot of weight to lose. But yeah, so we formulate protein first, go into a couple hundreds next and fill the rest of the calories from dietary gotcha. fats. Gotcha. 
So I just want to make sure that people catch this. The book that Garrett mentioned is Metabolic Regulation by Keith Frain. And, and we're not kidding when we say this book is amazing. Like I still use it and it, I don't, it, it's got to be, well, 12 years old at least because we used it in class. At least, yeah. And uh, I referenced it all the time when I was a professor. <laughs> it's just so practical. It, it's awesome. And he actually came out with a new edition. And it's not as good. It's not. Oh as good. wow! It's like it's like oh, no. it's more. It's so good. I don't know. It's just not as applied. So anyway, metabolic regulation, Keith Frain, legendary. So the last question I want to ask you before we hop off today: You work with primarily women. And you do work with some men and have in the past, but primarily women. So, what differences have you noticed over time? Like, are there any particular things you have to take into account? for either men or women when you're working with them? Are there any variables that you adjust specifically or just talk about like anything you've noticed over time and differences in approach to a, a male or a female client? You, I've learned through my experience that online coaching may not be as effective for men because we know that for anything to work, they have to be adherent and consistent. <laughs> yeah. And some guys, we have, we've had some amazing male clients, but for the majority of men, like they either they don't like to answer text messages or like email. I don't know what it is, but like we like women just love coaching. Mm. And outside of that, though, like it's just really hard to get a man to be consistent with with what we like a, a macro approach. And there's so I from my experience, some men do amazing at it. But again, a bit, one one reason why I work with women is because like we have very specific strategies and most women come to us for help. But outside of that, as far as individual differences, yeah, I mean, besides being able to lose fat from a higher calorie level, most of the time men have a little bit easier yeah. approach to fat loss because they, they haven't had one thing unique that's about with women is most women come to us if they're 40, they spend the last 20 years yeah. Yeah, dieting, yeah, yeah. right? And so like, mm. that's tough for us because we got to like factor that in. Most guys, they probably don't really diet, right? And don't, they don't care about the details. Like give me a calorie goal and a meal plan, right? And mm. that's great. They make phenomenal results. So there's a lot of there's a lot of considerations that we have to take into account for women about their past down history and the psychological side of things, their mindset, their beliefs, what social media tells them to be true. So a lot of times it, for us to change anything physically, we have to change the, the mindset of that person. That, that has to change first. And that's why we're a coaching company. We work with mindset along with behaviors. We don't just work with behaviors because if your mindset doesn't change, if you don't overcome limitations, yeah. then your habits won't change and your beliefs toward carbohydrates won't change. So I would say that's the biggest, most guys like my dad or he's like, carbs are bad. Whatever. <laughs> like, okay, dad. But, like, and he may not, he may eat like three cups of mashed potatoes at yeah. nighttime. Right. And, but women are like, yo, carbs are bad and they'll starve mm. themselves. Right. So that's a big difference mm. or most women, not all yeah, women, yeah. but I'd probably say that's one of the biggest differences in between men and women. But from a, like a, a physiological standpoint, nothing major that you've seen do you have any like specific hormone levels or what affects weight loss weight gain or anything just really? anything like i'm just curious it's just like a very in topic right now like women are not small men yeah. there's differences that need to be accounted for and i'm just curious in your right. experience what have you seen those to be are they there and, and, mm. and if they are there what are they that's i guess my oh, kind of my see. angle of that mm. Yeah. So what I've so what I've noticed too with women having higher estrogen levels, like I used to think that because men, I used to think that we can diet men more aggressively because they have higher testosterone. But estrogen has a very muscle protective effect to mm -hmm. it, and so 
What's interesting that we can diet women just as aggressively because of the muscle protective effects of estrogen. And they do a great job of keeping more muscle mass and losing more body fat because of because of, of that instance. Hmm. And so that's one of the biggest things I've noticed is the fact that most women can keep muscle ma- keep more muscle mass throughout a diet because of higher body fat levels naturally. Sure. Because if you compare essential body fat levels to male and females, that's a big difference there. And so that was probably the most interesting thing besides the actual like calorie differences yeah. is just the hormonal effects that play into role of protecting yeah. muscle and keeping muscle mass. Okay. So I'm going to like kind of give you a term here that I actually heard from Abby Smith Ryan, who I had on a previous episode of the podcast. We discussed a lot of different things, but we did discuss like this concept that she she termed or or used the term that's been being used is cycle syncing. And cycle syncing is the practice of adapting your training around the menstrual cycle. So like maybe during certain one period of the menstrual cycle, you can handle higher volumes. And then during another phase, you need to lower the volumes and things like that to, to promote recovery and progress. Mm-hmm. Is, are there similar beliefs around diet where like maybe you have to shift macronutrient composition or you can, you can really like maybe go higher in calories during this phase of the menstrual cycle, but then during other phases, you've got to like dial back. Is, that, is there anything like that that's, that's out there or what have you seen with regards to that concept and nutrition? Yeah, that is fascinating. And I, I love the with cycle syncing for training. And the same thing applies to similar things applies to the nutrition side of things. And we used to take that in consideration. But one thing that we in this it was just like calorie cycling or like high carb, low carb days. So like what's most important? Like focusing on these small variables that that change or having the person be consistent. Yeah. Because if something's too complex or if it changed too often, like, again, we don't work with athletes who are training very, very hard. We're trying to get women to the gym or work out two, three days a week. And so if, and that's, there's absolute science behind it and we don't disregard it. If someone comes to us and is like, yo, listen, I really want to make sure I'm you know eating correctly throughout these phases because there is a period in which, you know, the metabolic rate increases a certain time and that we can take advantage of a slightly higher calorie intake. But again, it's so like, it's so specific yeah. and so temporary that like, can we really yeah. nail it down? I have some women who don't even know like when their cycle is going to start. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then another client who's on. Yeah. And so she takes medication and it like, it preempts the cycle. I'm like, yo, this is it's like, I need to be like, talk about data yeah. tracking. Okay. So what I've learned was like, despite the science being true in there, gotcha. if like, is it going to help us help our clients get yeah. better results? If the answer is like, we don't know mm-hmm. or no. Then like, we're like, we're going to stick, to, we're going to help them become more consistent with an easy yeah. plan first, then go to that. Yeah. Okay. So like, yes, like yeah. maybe there's something there, but it's hard to pin down. It may have a very small, if, if anything effect. And actually, Dr. Smith Ryan, we talked about like normalizing this talk. It's just kind of, it's interesting. And yeah. it's so common that, okay, if you can't even, if we can't identify these things, we're not going to even worry about taking advantage of maybe a couple week window of increasing yeah. or de- decreasing calories beyond what we normally had set. So consistency is going right. to rule the day for sure. Yeah, 100%. Especially when we don't know the magnitude of the calorie increase or calories that's burned yeah. in the specific days. Because what matters most is we do a concept called calorie borrowing. 
Because what matters most is your weekly average of calories. And we say, listen, if you're not hungry on one day, like auto regulate your intake. So eat less, you can put those calories toward the next day. Okay. And so like, so we, we take it more per sure. person than per, per the recycle. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, if you're going through a recycle, if you calorie borrow, essentially take calories from a few days. For example, if you have 600 calorie days, if you want to have 600 more calories on like Thursday, you would take out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, each 200 calories to put towards that day. And you can time that with your cycle, but huh. it doesn't have to like be specific to like, I think I'm going to burn this many more calories. And there, there's science behind that, but we give it up to our clients because we know that could affect their mm -hmm. consistency as far as it, the, the complication of, of following yeah. the plan and staying yeah. on track. Awesome. That's, that's really interesting. Garrett, where, so the, I, there's a lot to learn about this topic clearly, and there's a lot of nuance and if people want to continue following you, following your work, getting more education from you, where can they go to do so? Yeah, thank you, Corey. I'm on Instagram at Tandem Nutrition, and that is spelled T-A-N-D-E-M Nutrition, and also on Facebook at Garrett Surd. And uh, you also have a podcast, right? Yeah. Yes, it is called the Tandem Talk Show. It's not as on fire as this one is, but I tell you what. I cannot wait to go back and listen to all these amazing episodes. If you're listening to this episode, please subscribe, not for me, but for Corey, and leave him a five-star review because I want to see this, I want to see this podcast hit a hundred thousand downloads a month. Oh man, look, this time look at that. Year. I didn't, okay. that's not even a paid, that's not even a paid ad. Um, well, Garrett, I love it. Uh, yeah. Everything with for Garrett's information will be in the show notes. And I guess before we do leave, what are the services that Tandem offers? I want to make sure we talk about that too. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. So we just have one coaching program. And so we just do one-on-one -on -one coaching with women specifically. And we, it's a very one-on-one -on -one type of program where we give very specific calorie macro goals, leading you through the phasic dotting journey and helping you not only lose body fat in a healthy way, but keep it off. That is most important. And so you can contact me, DM me, or shoot me a message and be more than happy to talk more about your goals and if you'd be a good fit for what we offer. Awesome. Great. Again, yep. All that will be in the show notes. And Garrett, man, just really happy to have you on. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, man. Hey, thank you for having me on, Corey. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Performance Connection podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review, share on social media, and on Instagram, tag at Performance Connection podcast, all one word. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition. Thanks again, and I hope you'll keep listening or check out other episodes.